You are live with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We have a great program today. We're all about the world of apps for smartphones, cars, TVs, video game consoles, and uh, the mobile tech world as well. We're going to be talking about security for uh, businesses, what to look out for, how to avoid phishing attacks for not only your business, but uh, also uh, your employees as well, how to educate them to make sure that they're uh, not... Uh, downloading the latest ransomware link into your company. Apple also has a big announcement coming up this week. We're going to talk about all the rumors that we think might come true. What's our rate on that? 50-50? Probably less than that. <laughs> Maybe a lot of wishing on our part. And we're going to be talking about AI art again, artificial intelligence that can create Art. We've uh, talked about midjourney.ai before on this program. Well, now people are using it and winning art competitions. So there's a whole ethical and copyright conversation that we want to have around that. They're winning and humans are not happy about it. Let's look at some of the, uh, the mobile and app news, uh, John. Uh, LastPass, this is a, a password program that people use so they don't have to remember all of their passwords. They've been hacked. It's a little scary. A little bit, yeah. They, they've been hacked, but the source code for the service has been stolen. Not your passwords okay, and that type of thing. So it's more the company's problem of their intellectual property being stolen. Yeah. yeah. What kind of systems and Not processes. Mike Agarbo's passwords. No, no. You don't have to change your last pass password right now. Okay. At least that's according to the company. Yeah. Because all that stuff was encrypted and separate from the source code that was stolen. But what this does give the hackers is potentially a way to figure out a way to get access to those passwords. So it'll be interesting to see how LastPass deals with this problem. Yeah. But, you know, the the source code generally is the, you know, the, the secret sauce for a lot of these tech companies. And... But could that be bad as well like they can go in there and figure out how to decrypt things yeah no yeah. that's the thing that's why a lot of times when you see uh, a company that wants to be transparent they release the source code yeah because other people can look at it to see is there any vulnerabilities is yeah. there other things like that so you actually have a lot more help externally with this type of stuff but with something like LastPass where you're charging for this service for example um, the service business model, how the software functions, how it ties into all the different ways that you would have to use a password manager like LastPass. Uh, that's all sort of locked away into the source code. So if you are a LastPass user, don't freak out. They haven't got your passwords. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> uh, also following uh, the tech and mobile uh, news here, Tom Hanks, he's been doing a lot of Apple TV stuff. A lot. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think prolific. a movie Finch. Yeah. Did you see that one? I didn't. Yeah. It's about a post-apocalyptic earth and it's him and his robot. Robot dog. It's, no, I think it's like a robot. Oh. Yeah. It's it fun. Uh, Greyhound, the World War II movie as well. Well, now he's working with Apple Arcade and he's developed a trivia game. I don't know if Tom Hanks is sitting there programming this, but. No, but he's narrating it. Oh, okay. So he actually, he's like the Alex Trebek in this trivia uh, game. Yeah. And apparently there's tens of thousands of questions that he's narrated. That's the problem with trivia games I find, John. I love them, yeah. you know, on computer, but I just, you know, 
eventually you start, I guess it's with even Trivial Pursuit, like the board game, eventually you're going to come across the same questions again. Yeah, and that's, that's your advantage, though. <laughs> you played it so much, you know the answers. <laughs> you're a trivia nerd. Yes. So anyway, it's a, uh, a new one that uh, he's uh, working with. What's the name of it? It's a good, good question. Yep. Uh, I think it's called Hank's 101 Trivia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really got his name in there. Yeah. That's uh, spelled H-A-N-X. 101 trivia. So yeah. if you uh, subscribe to Apple Arcade, which is actually kind of a good value. Yeah, because this game is essentially free. If you Yeah. Know. Like, I wish I had more time to play games, but I love Apple Arcade because it's a monthly subscription. What is it, like seven bucks or something? Yeah. And there's a lot of diverse games on there. You know, especially for, ca- like, I'm, I consider myself a casual gamer now. Yeah. I'm not playing all the first-person shooters anymore. No. Because the 14-year-olds just kick my butt. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of sad, actually. <laughs> but that's just the way it is. Uh, the music industry has avoided legal battle with a new streaming royalty deal. I mean, music has changed dramatically over the past uh, 20 years with the advent of digital music. Went through some rough times there in the 90s uh, when everyone figured out how to download all their music for free on things like Napster and LimeWire. Uh, well, now we have all the music subscription services, the Spotify's, uh, the Google Music, YouTube's, uh, Apple Music uh, as well. Well, uh, it's been a little bit of a contentious battle between the uh, the artists, the publishers, and the streaming services. Uh, so to prevent going into any more court rooms, uh, they've agreed on a new royalty rate. I guess it was uh, 15.1% before. And now it's 15.35%, which doesn't seem like a big jump. No, but some of these uh, songs and albums get streamed billions of times. Yeah. So that could... It adds up. It could add up for at if, least the top tiers. If you're Lady Gaga. Yeah. 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 If you're Mike and John's bluegrass band. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want to hear that band. <laughs> <laughs> We'd end up owing Spotify money. Probably. On that. Um but some some are saying it uh, benefits the publishers more, which is not always the greatest for the uh, the artists. I, I imagine it's, it's just a, a different, maybe even tougher world for musicians now. Yeah, well, compared to the old days, or maybe it's better. I don't know. It's certainly different, and you see a lot of the biggest acts out there really hustling because they make all their money doing live shows. Yeah, and the merch at those shows, like the Harry Styles, the Dua Lipas. They're hitting literally every single town that you can imagine. And that's a lot of work for the artist, though. It's a lot of work. Yeah. 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 But like a baseball team now (laughs) playing hundreds of games a year. Exactly. But they're they're probably doing pretty well. And uh, and, you know, the timing is interesting, too, because of the pandemic. People are excited to be out and about with friends and family listening to their favorite artists in person. So, yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's a different world than when we used to go down to the record stores and buy our CDs or tapes on on payday. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the uh, the younger folks listening will never know that world. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you had to wait for your favorite band to release a CD, and then you had to hope that they had that CD in on launch day because they'd sell out. Yeah, like they'll never sell out of a new album now. No, and you don't even have to pay for it because you're getting it on a streaming service. Yeah, for like 10 bucks. Yeah. Like we had to spend stupid amounts of money, John. Yeah. Like 10, 15, 20 bucks. 
per album. Per album, whether yeah. that was on a cassette tape or vinyl. Yeah. Or CD. Yeah. And like the value, the value is undeniable now when you think about it. like how much were you spending on music before? Well, Too I, much. I spent a lot. Yeah. 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 Well, I did, um, how many how many CDs would you buy a month? Probably a couple of payday at least. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean that could be anywhere from fifty to seventy bucks a month. Yeah. When you think about it. Yeah. And that would add up to, yeah, a lot, like six seven hundred dollars a year now. People are complaining, you know, when the subscription price goes up a dollar. But I mean, for the most part, it's like 10 bucks a month. You're paying $120 a year. Think about this. $120 a year to have access to literally every song ever written. Yes. Or every song that will be released. Yeah. Like millions yeah. of songs and, you know, obviously all the variations of them. We're living in a golden time for content. For music content, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Okay, we are going to take a break now. When we come back, we're going to have a really interesting conversation. We have been speaking about this for a while now on the program. Artificial intelligence, and especially when it comes to the art world, for making art. We've talked about midjourney.ai. This is a new tool that lets anyone become an amazing artist just by literally typing in keywords like fluffy dog in the clouds playing a piano. I, I know that sounds crazy, but with that software I was talking about, it will make you an amazing piece of art. Well, now that artwork is winning competitions and humans aren't happy about it. You're listening to The App Show with Mike and John. We'll be back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We're going to talk about uh, artificial intelligence again when it comes to art. This is something we've spoken about a few times now, John, uh, especially with the advent of this new art generator. Uh, I don't even know what to call it. Uh, Midjourney.ai. Well, that's just one. There's a few other ones. There's also Dolly. There's Stable Diffusion and a few others as well. That, But I think Midjourney is probably the one that's being used most because it's probably the easiest to use. You don't have to really install anything. Well, it's easy and it's not. If you can actually get that working, you're a genius because <laughs> you've got to download the Discord app, which is like a messaging app. And then you got to somehow sign up for midjourney.ai through there. You'll have to Google this to do it because it took me a little while. Maybe I'm just not as <laughs> clever as I used to be. Perhaps. But once you get it going, it is freaking amazing. Yeah, because it's basically uh, put whatever you're interested in generating in keywords into this thing. And within a minute, you're going to get at least four different versions of that idea in fairly high resolution. Yeah. You can then upscale it to make it very high quality in any aspect ratio that you want that you could then take it and print and get get it out there. So we're talking about this because it's it's really bubbling up now. And something recently happened. Uh, it was down in Colorado. Was it at a state fair? Yeah, there was a Colorado State Fair fine art competition. And someone entered a, uh, a photo that was generated completely in mid-journey. Yes. And they won first place. <laughs> As you could did, imagine. Did they win... 
But what was the category, John? It, it it was something to do with manipulated digital art, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we're already he wasn't he wasn't really offside then. No, it wasn't like he was trying to portray his AI generated art as something that he painted in his basement. Yeah. Um, although he might have generated it in his basement. Yes, but with his computer. Yeah. Um, but he won first place. Yeah. Or the computer won first place. And humans are not happy about it. Well, let's other artists that are human are yeah. not happy about this. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, the, the whole thing with this, this brings up all kinds of different ethical, copyright, and just ownership issues yeah like because this guy gave the computer keywords but the computer is really who generated this piece of art yeah um and it's uh, i dare say a slippery slope in what way well it's just because a lot of artists are concerned that they're being replaced by a robot now yeah and it's not even a physical robot it's a virtual robot it's, it's a software it's a piece of software yeah, yeah. um but we were talking at lunch about how AI generated anything is specifically art is very subjective. Yeah. So does, does a piece of art actually have to have a human with paintbrush strokes on it to be considered art? Well, or, I, I, or, I think of photographers though, John. Yeah. And obviously there's, there's complete skill in being a photographer, no question, but, so say I'm a photographer taking a picture of a, a flower. Yeah. I didn't make that flower. No, you did not. No, I just took a picture of it in a flattering way. Right. Yeah. Can, could you kind of say that using this AI generated art is similar? Perhaps. I put in some, some words. I mean, if I was a poet, I'd be making great art. Yeah. 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 And we've talked about that before. Um, no, I, I just think it's there, there's just a lot of questions that, that this brings up, right? And um, is the people behind Midjourney are they entitled to some of the the proceeds from this contest that where their robot? Well, I think they're not, from what I understand of the the user agreement. True. Yeah. But some would say maybe other services or AI bots might have different service agreements yeah but it's just it just makes it murky but ownership the typically these systems are fed by tons of art from the internet popular art like famous works of art certain styles of artists as well as everybody's sort of combined art so who actually owns that from a copyright standpoint because you're copying a style Right. Mm -hmm. If you print it, if you, if you uh, have these bots create art in the style of a specific artist, does that artist have any like Warhol or sure anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause some of these artists have very specific styles Yes, that are fairly easily copied by but these can, bots. Can you copyright a style? Well, I don't know, but you can certainly, uh, uh, there's some potential misrepresentation that could happen. Yeah. Right. What's to stop these uh, AI bots from creating really good fakes of other digital art yeah. that exists, right? Not just the Warhols and the other things, right? But more modern stuff. So it just really opens up a, like a, well, and we talked about this, a big Pandora's box. 
So who's at risk here, John? Society? (laughs) Jobs? Perhaps, yeah. 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 Um, It's interesting, though, when you start talking about art to people, it's a very polarizing thing, which I think is sort of the intent. Yeah, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, you need to have a little conflict with art, I think. Sparks conversation. Yes, that's what art is about. Right, and your interpretation of that... Yeah. That piece of art or how it was made or the techniques involved. We've seen lots of examples of um, art that has been uh, criticized because maybe there wasn't enough effort put into it for the for the the asking price that the artist charged. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing. I mean, uh, typing a few keywords into a, a bot is one thing, but actually spending days, weeks, months painting a canvas is something else. This isn't going to be the last conversation we have about this. Uh, again, uh, we're talking about midjourney.ai. Uh, a user created a beautiful piece of artwork and entered it into an art competition down in Colorado and won. And uh, the other human artists had a problem with it. <laughs> we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to tell you how to avoid getting ransomware on your computer or falling for a lot of the phishing scams out there and they are getting good. So you'll want to stay tuned back after this. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here. Got an interesting guest with us. We've got uh, Mark Knowles. He's uh, head of security for Zero. Yeah, general manager security assurance for Zero. Yeah. Great title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Zero cloud-based financial software that a lot of businesses around the world use. Obviously, because of the nature of that information, uh, very sensitive, very private, uh, important to be secured. Yeah, absolutely. And how hard is that to, you know, it's all in the cloud. Yeah. It's all on you. It's an area in the past that people thought being in the cloud would be difficult to be secure. However, uh, the cloud is where the world is moving. Yeah. And so Zero has done an amazing job of making our customers' lives more simple and, and enabling them to use the cloud for their data. But of course, the data then actually becomes quite attractive to cyber criminals, which then makes Zero and, and all of our customers people that custom, uh, criminals might want to attack. So, so I have to ask you, like in the old days, which wasn't too long ago, yeah. and, and a lot of, sorry, a lot of businesses still do this. They have all that information locally on their computers, which isn't the most secure thing no, either, right? Because there's all, all the, the physical threats uh, to that. Like, how often do hackers come after zero and, and the data up in the cloud? Hackers, I guess, hackers are active all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's really difficult to give a how often, Mike, because, yeah. it's, I mean, Practically globally, it's happening all the time. Yeah. And um, cyber criminals are looking for anyone that is not looking after themselves, not keeping their software up to date, not having antivirus or, or systems in place or doing patching when the patches come out. And, and, you know, some of us get a bit scared about, oh, so what do you mean by patching? If you're buying software from somebody, um, then they release patches and keep even the operating up to date even with that. even your op- operating system. Absolutely. Right? So yeah. keeping up to date with all of those is really really important. One of the things that we really focus on internally within Zero to keep our customers safe is just actually making sure that we're all keeping safe. And I talked about it at the ZeroCon conference the last two days about helping customers to create a human firewall 
to how to how to recognise phishing emails. Ninety two percent of attacks come through phishing emails. So explain what phishing emails are, because I think we all get them. Yeah, and they're in so fact, prevalent. I guarantee many people listening will have received phishing emails probably yeah. in the last couple of days. So. Uh, a phishing email is an email that looks like it's come from someone you know. Maybe Amazon sending you a, a $50 credit. Who doesn't want know, that? <laughs> here's 50 bucks. Let's click on this link. And, and they've got a big yellow button on it saying, click here now. And by the way, you've got to do it immediately. But if you took some time, just 30 seconds to read through that email a little bit longer. See, see, see the address where it came from. The address is not from Amazon.com. It comes from Amazon.com shopping dot something else. Yeah. And, and then... The grammar in the email doesn't look that great, but I was too busy to look at that. Or the other thing that's really a usual standout is that I'm an Amazon customer, so they would write to me and go, hi, Mark. Uh, instead, this is, hi, friend. Um, why are they calling me friend? Oh, it's a $50. So just hover your mouse over some of those links. Take 30 seconds, hover the mouse over the link, and you'll see that the URL address is not going to be Amazon.com. Yeah. It's going to be somewhere else. And in fact, quite often hackers, um, cyber criminals, will use stupid names like I'm going to hack you yeah. as the URL address. So there's a giveaway. But people get nervous about this. I don't want you to be nervous about it. I just want you to be more aware of it. So we run phishing simulations for our staff. So like um, even internally for your staff, you're doing it, yeah? Yeah, so we run them on a regular basis. Uh, not on the first Tuesday of every month because then they'll know that it's going to happen. We just do uh, phishing simulations for them and we get people, train them up on how to do it. So as a customer, how can you do that? Well, you can buy that from, there are companies that provide phishing simulations. However, if that's too expensive for your organisation, if you're not big enough, then a really good way to do it is just actually get one of the emails that you got this week, Mike, and go through and highlight a couple of links on it and show your team, hey, this could be, if you waved the mouse over here, this could be a phishing email. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, people are just a little bit more aware of it. So it's educating, educate. So create a human firewall, educate your team as to what the risk is and why you want to protect it. And the reason you want to protect it is because you hold lots and lots of information about yourself, but probably also about your customers. So keeping your environment safe is so, so important. Um, I want to talk about another uh, attack we're seeing more and more now, ransomware. Yeah. You know, we hear about it all the time. You know, hospitals got attacked and they had to pay yeah. lots of money or this business or corporation. You know, how do you protect yourself against something like that? So there's a few things that you can do. The first thing you should do is always back up your data. Yeah. So, uh, and how, golden, the golden rule. How often? As like the last backup of your data is the safest data that you have, so back it up regularly. You don't need to back up all the draft copies that you created, but but back up your critical assets, like who are your customers and how do you contact them. Um, back all of that up, and use an alternative site, and and again have a separate password that gives you access to that. So it's completely different. Don't have the same password for everything because that then just makes you super easy to break into. Again then, so you've got a backup and you've received a ransomware because maybe you did click on that phishing email and you downloaded some malware which created this ransomware. That's software that they can go in and take your computer Absolutely. over. Absolutely, that takes your computer or your system and locks you out. Um, so you've received an email and you're under pressure. My advice is don't panic. 
So please don't panic and don't pay. As soon as you pay ransomware, you're going to be known as a payer and they're going to keep on coming back to you. Yeah. In Canada, you have an amazing, amazing agency, um, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre, um, CAC, I think you'll find it if you look it up on your websites. Um, they're amazing. Contact them straight away. And if you're freaking out and you're thinking, I don't know who they are, call the police because the police will help you. Okay. Um, I think that uh, because you've backed up your data, you've contacted someone straight away, a professional that's that knows what they're you, doing. Yeah. Who knows what they're doing. That's going to take so much pressure off you, and you'll be able to talk about it. Please, please, please don't be embarrassed about the fact that it's happened to you. What these cyber criminals want is they want you not to talk to anyone. They want you to feel bad and embarrass you so that you won't tell others that you've had an attack. Um, I know that many of your listeners will have received phishing emails. Some of them will have received ransomware. 10% of attacks last year were ransomware attacks. Um, there's a lot of money to be made by cyber criminals because of it. So just take some simple things by just having great hygiene in place first. We're talking with Mark Knowles. He is with Zero. He is their general manager, uh, general manager of security assurance. Yeah. Uh, those are some great tips, and I, I want to thank you for joining us. Today. No worries, Mike. Thank you so much. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the App Show. Mike and John here. Time to talk some Apple rumors. Uh, Apple has a big announcement coming this week. Is it on the seventh? I believe. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think it's the anticipated iPhone 14. Pretty safe bet. Pretty safe bet, yeah. But there's uh, rumors circulating, as there always are with uh, the Apple uh, events. Not all of them come true. <laughs> Many don't. Well, it's interesting. In the last few years, a few years ago, I would say yes, for sure. Yeah. But the last few years, there's been a lot of like non-surprises at yeah. these events. Like, okay, we know it's an iPhone 14. You know, we don't get that one more thing anymore. That no. One surprise thing that nobody predicted or foretold uh, on the blogs. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, usually people just rehash old rumors that never came true because maybe there was an element of them in the pipeline, but they didn't actually get announced or were held back for various reasons. And especially the last few years, it's been really weird with the supply chain issues, COVID and everything else that's been going on. So what what are you hearing about the iPhone 14 that's going to make it revolutionary and, and different? It's well, not even... Well, it's going to have a better camera that works better in low light. <laughs> You're a genius. Rinse and repeat for the last 14 editions, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, the rumor is uh, it's going to have an even better ultra-wide camera lens, and it'll work even better in low light. Usually that means there's going to be a lower f-stop on the aperture, a bigger sensor maybe. Do people care anymore, John? Uh photo nerds do but yeah. that's about it and so what percentage of the population are photo nerds uh it's probably a single digit yes yeah yeah i think everybody is for the most part pretty everyone wants to take good photos pretty darn happy with the quality they're getting of, of out of a modern phone yeah yeah it's funny though because occasionally i'll see someone that clearly hasn't upgraded their phone in a long time and you can i can kind of tell like either their phone's screen or their lens screen is just very dirty yeah, <laughs> or they're using something that is um, 
uh, like an iPhone six or something like to take a photo. I'm like, how, how is this still a thing? Like how, how do you have not an in focus photo that's not clear and perfect? My wife has an iPhone 11. Yeah. I have an iPhone 13 pro. As do I. I, I can, I can see differences in the photos, especially at night. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be even better with the 14. <laughs> how much better though, John? I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to find out next week, but um, that's, that's the sort of one of the kind of the, I'd say it's the obvious rumor. Yeah. Um, other things is that people really seem to care about the colors that are available. I know I was disappointed when Apple switched away from my nice forest green. Yeah. You're a green guy. Color scheme. But apparently the rumored color that's going to be all the rage this season <laughs> on the runway is purple. Yeah. It's in a case. You can't, I, I, can't I don't even... care about the colors. You're right. It's in a case. Like you can get a purple case. Yeah. 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 So, but one rumor that's circulating and who knows, right? Yeah. Satellite connectivity. Well, this was a recycled rumor from last time around. Yeah. Last year we heard that this might be a, a thing that um, basically this, uh, they've done a bunch of hardware tests with the iPhone 14. And uh, they just have to negotiate a business model with carriers if they're going to include it. So this... Why would of, they have to? Well, because it's... It, typically, you're using your carrier's service to activate your phone and everything like that. And then if you need to use a different service for satellite emergency calls, for example, um, that's a whole different spectrum and negotiation that has to happen. Yeah. But, you know... It's one of those things that, you know, we talked about on the Get Connected radio show yesterday about the fact that uh, Elon Musk's Starlink system is not that far away from offering cell service no. to anyone. Because they made a deal with T-Mobile. Yeah, to provide backup service, basically. Yeah. Um, so it's not that crazy to think that satellites couldn't be used for this and effectively negating the need. And I'm, I'm completely... Uh, guessing here complete, completely needing relieving the need to have a cell tower in your neighborhood anymore because I think we're still a ways away we, we certainly are but I know Elon certainly thinks that we're closer than we think um, and he's making these deals already yeah um, but it just gets really messy from a regulatory standpoint because all these carriers have spent billions of dollars on infrastructure that yeah. you know could be replaced by other billions of dollars of infrastructure that that's in space floating yeah. in space. Yeah. So iPhone 14, um, there's also rumors of a new Apple watch, but a different new Apple watch. Cause the Apple watches over the years have been more iterative or iterative. Yes. Um, just kind of getting bigger in size. Yeah. So the rumor millimeter is, by millimeter, the rumor is that the watch eight pro will be, fairly large with a flat screen maybe even have the satellite connectivity as well okay so and it won't fit fit the old watch bands that's kind of a big thing i'm seeing buzz about yeah because everyone's oh no i have to buy new watch bands well yeah. that's what shine was invented for yeah <laughs> um but yeah it's i don't know it sounds like it's going to be very expensive too it, like i hear it's like a, a ruggedized watch well i don't know i'm pretty hard on mine. I have an iPhone or a watch five yeah. edition series. I don't even know what mine is anymore. <laughs> I, think, I think you have a six. Yeah. And 
uh, and Robin has a seven and I'm pretty hard on my watch and I'm still shocked that I don't have scratches all over my screen. I, the screen's amazing. Yeah. Like I beat the hell out of mine. Yeah. Like I was pouring concrete a couple of weeks ago and there's concrete all over my watch and, and cleaned it up and it's no problem. Yeah. So I actually, last Christmas, I gave my girlfriend a series three and she's managed to get some pretty obvious scratches on it. The screens weren't as durable back then. No. And we tried to get Apple to replace them and they're like, well, you can buy a new watch. <laughs> <laughs> you cheap bugger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens though. The, the, the thing is though, this pro watch, the rumor again, uh, I'm using air quotes, uh, is that it'll might be as close to a thousand dollars Canadian. That's, that's a lot, eh? Well, I mean, the Series 7 right now, I, I think at, at normal retail is probably starts around five and a half. Yeah, so it's almost double. Yeah. Again, these are rumors we're talking about. Yes, these yeah. are rumors. And, um, but I also kind of wonder, well, what other functionality will it have? Is it just a bigger screen? Is it uh, some designer behind it? Like th there's going to be something else to, to justify that increased price point that's yeah. significantly larger. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll see what that also entails. It, it's interesting though. We've pretty much got good confirmation. It seems that the iPad OS is going to be delayed. So any iPad updates probably won't be happening this week. Okay. So it'll be phones and watches. And then maybe iPads and maybe MacBooks in October timeframe. Talking all about the Apple rumors, big Apple launch event, September 7th, uh, coming up this week. Uh, obviously, uh, next show, we'll be talking all about it and how right or wrong we were <laughs> with some of these rumors we're reporting on. We're going to have to take a break here on the App Show when we come back. More tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with the app show. Mike and John here. Don't forget to listen to our sister program, Get Connected. It's on every Saturday on the Chorus Radio Network. It's available up on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Uh, we've got all our podcasts there for Get Connected Radio and the app show, which you're listening to uh, right now. So we encourage you to go there and also subscribe to our, our podcast version uh, of uh, the programs uh, through your favorite uh, podcast provider. On Get Connected uh, this week, we'll uh, be talking uh, about... Elon Musk's collaboration with Starlink and T-Mobile down in the U.S. to get rid of cellular dead spots. Can you imagine being able to get cell service everywhere? Well, that's thanks to satellites. But what does that mean for Elon's future ambitions with his Starlink satellite service? Right now, it's just providing uh, internet to remote areas. Will he get into the cellular phone business himself? And we'll uh, be talking uh, about what companies are doing to uh, keep their employees connected and disconnected to create more of a work-life balance. I want to thank John and uh, Robin who helped put the program together. We'll see you again next time.